Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another very special episode of Ignite Radio Live. The third Thursday of every month, we have a Belief and Beverages Night. Now, what is that? Very uplifting evenings of community, fellowship, beverages, a great presentation, world-class speakers for free. You can find out more at massimpact.us forward slash BNB. Massimpact.us forward slash BNB. What follows is another dynamic feature presentation at a Belief in Beverages night featuring Mike McCartney, followed by a great story testimonial by Brett and Ellen Hunterbrinker. Now on with our program. Good evening, all. We welcome you to this Belief in Beverages, and we want to thank Rich and Connie Cronin for their hospitality in this lovely building. So buy a car, buy two cars, tell a friend, tell them to buy a car or two. Um, No, it's just great to support um, wonderful businesses with such integrity and um, just commitment to the faith. And that being said, they don't know I'm doing this nor does my husband. The Elmores back there, Jeff and Rachel Elmore, Dr. Jeff and Dr. Rachel Elmore from Turning Point Chiropractic, just celebrating 10 years of their business being open. So congratulations and the Lord's blessing upon them. Um, Their first day of uh, business was on the Feast of the Assumption 10 years ago. So just, I love that, that Mary has always been surrounding you guys. So, um, and special thanks tonight to Patron Saints Brewery. Do I sound like I had a beer too, trying to say that word? Um, Catholic branded beer, how about that? Doesn't get any better. Have a beer. Invoke a saint, have another beer, invoke another saint. Let's make this a prayer tonight. Um, But we do ask you, just be comfortable. It's not our living room, like we've hosted these in the past, but it's a wonderful family feel. So please feel free to get up at any time. I'm sure Mike won't mind. If you want to grab another drink or some snacks or anything like that, just make yourself at home. So what is tonight about? Greg and I like to say the four Bs, believing, belonging, becoming and building. So the first one, to believe. Um, If we fully believed, we'd be saints. We'd be a patron saint. Maybe there'd be a beer named after us at some point. But we all know that this, we're on this journey and we're on it of ever deepening faith. And we all know we can go deeper and just on that path to sainthood. I love the, you know, catechism. We were created to know God, to love him and to serve him in this world to be happy with him forever in the next. And that's what it is to believe, right? To just dive more deeply into that. And we are blessed in particular as Catholics of belonging, this community, as believers, as Christians. Um, We aren't isolated and distant, but we do this together. We belong to Jesus Christ. Community is so important. So believing, belonging, to become. We know we're not finished. We're here tonight and in so many ways in our lives that we've chosen to be more fully formed, um, to let God do the work in us and through us, and um, just to dive more deeply into that, to become the person that he created us to be as his son, as his daughter. So believing, belonging, becoming, building, to build. We have a mission. We are on mission. Mission is where we are at, where the Lord has us with a particular plan, a particular purpose, and we lean into that together. He has blessed us in this time. 
we can look around and be like, oh my gosh, Lord God, what is going on? As we should, but he has us here in this time, in this place, in this moment of history for a reason, together. And there is an urgency there. We are called to build his kingdom. We are called to be his presence. We are called not to just be little, you know, in our Catholic hot tub, our Christian hot tub, just kind of doing this and doing that and be all comfortable, but to go out there to overflow, to be his witnesses as the Great Commission called us to be. So to believe, to belong, to become, and to build. And we are blessed to do that together with you guys and in a special way in this evening tonight together. It's not just about a moment, we're about a movement. And we are blessed in answering the Lord's call to go more deeply into um, marriage and family and to be a support in that and to know that JP2, JP2's words have never rung truer that civilization passes by way of the family. He gave us an exhortation, families become who you are to image the Trinity. And we do that and we exist and we do that with your prayers in your financial partnership. Um, we've done these nights as a thank you for benefactors and then open them up more widely just because we felt called to do that. So if you'd like to become a benefactor, you can see Greg in the back there, but just considered, um, please consider doing that to become a partner, a monthly benefactor, to continue this movement, but more importantly, sincerely your prayers. The next three months, I feel like we're, you know, you know the news where like there's a top story and they like string you along to all the commercials first and they're like, and up next, and up next, but no, you have to wait. I'm like, just tell us, or the weather, that's the worst when you're just waiting for the weather. Um, but we will get to our delightful speaker in a moment. Um, if you look at this sheet that were on your um, chairs, the next three belief and beverage nights Actually, um, we're going to be featuring Hillsdale profess professors, and the next one we're very excited about, Dr. Bradley Berzer, um, talking about today's battle for Middle Earth. Um, so just a little teaser there. Mike loves our Lord. He loves the church, and he loves his family so very deeply, and that is so evident. It's just embedded in everything that he does, and he truly does aspire to live it, to image the Trinity. His talk tonight, Lead with Fire, is aimed right at that purpose. And if you know Mike at all, you know he is filled with fire, not just in excitement, but truly the fire of the Spirit. He's an executive coach who helps senior leaders become more effective on the people side of the performance equation. He believes faith is the foundation for leadership, that integrity matters, that leaders have a responsibility to serve, and that enthusiasm models the way for our families and those we work with. He draws from his background as a business leader, a leadership coach, father of a wonderful large family, and back in the day, a pro rodeo athlete, let's hear it for that one, woo, to share some practical ways to lead with fire. Folks, this ain't his first rodeo. Please give a mass impact welcome to Mike McCartney. Come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. I love that word. In fact, the Catechism of the Catholic Church, part one, section two, chapter three, article eight, paragraph 696 tells us that 
fire symbolizes the transforming energy of the Holy Spirit's actions. Think about that. Our Catholic tradition has long used fire as a symbol for the most expressive image we could have for the Holy Spirit. So when you think about your leadership as a pastor, as a parent, as a principal in a school, or as a business leader, think about that. That it is truly transforming energy when you're guided by the Holy Spirit to create something very, very positive. I got to tell you, any chance to be connected to Rich and Connie Cronin and their business, or the Schleter family and their business, or my pastor at St. Joan of Arc, Monsignor Border, and many of you here, who some of you I know well, it's a blessing. I got to tell you, too, just on an aside, here I stand as a parishioner at St. Joan of Arc. My wife and I own a Connie and Rich car, <laughs> and I am a new, the heck with HIPAA, patient of Dr. Jeff and Dr. Rachel Elmore. <laughs> so I feel like I got some integrity right now. Okay, and all of you are good friends. Thank you so much for being here tonight. Schleters represent that mantra to live it. And any time we got a chance to gather with like-minded Catholics and brothers and sisters in Christ who truly want to live it, who truly want to just integrate their Catholic, their Christian beliefs with everything they do, I'm inspired by that. I don't know all of you well, but most of you I know, at least to some degree. But even those of you that I don't, I could make three assumptions about everybody in here. Number one, you're really good people. Number two, your faith matters a great deal. And number three, you want to, you're all sinners. <laughs> you are, but you want to get even better. And in the field of leadership, we know that one of the common denominators of successful leaders is that appetite, that drive to get even better. I love it. I try to live it. You all do too. In fact, that's why you're here tonight, because you just want to be around and learn as much as you can about our faith. I love the word that we use for our faith that describes what we do. If we do at least, I hate to say this, the minimal in our faith, we call ourselves practicing Catholics, which I think there's something more than subtle that is signified there. We're working at it. Like Alan Jackson says, I'm a work in progress. We're not there yet, but we are working at it. We're practicing it. We're trying to do it. We're all still on the journey, but we want to just keep getting better. How do we do that? We gather with people like this. We plug into our churches. We go to Mass. We receive the sacraments. We study. We read. We practice the faith. We try to get always better. Now, some of you have been coming to a number of these. Do you know everybody in here? Are there some people in here that you don't know? All right, let's just do this for just a moment. This is not the sign of peace at Mass. But everybody, please stand. 
and take just a moment, and you don't have to leave where you are, but if there is someone next to you or behind you that you don't know, just in about eight seconds, I've got a fixation on that time frame, eight seconds, just say hello and introduce yourself to them right now and exchange first names. Ready? Go. So, all right, have, have a seat. That was also just a quick little stretch break, right? Now, how many of you have said, I am really good with faces, but I have a hard time with names? Deacon Ed, has anybody ever said to you, I know your name, it's your face I forget? No, no they don't say that, right? Why is it? Why do you remember a face better than a name? Very practical. Think about it for a moment. A name is a word. A face is a what? A picture. So we're always trying to get a picture of that person in our minds. Businesses create vision statements and mission statements so they can see it. Athletes try and envision or picture the, a positive image of them doing whatever they want to do to achieve it. We get that picture, right? Our Catholic faith is filled with imagery to help us give a picture of what we're trying to serve. In fact, the congregation in and of itself can be a powerful visual for that. So wherever you are in life right now, whether you are a business leader, whether you are a leader of a church, whether you are a leader of your own family, that's a big deal. And we don't take lightly our role of leadership. In fact, leadership has a whole lot more to do with our attitude and our outlook than it does a title. You and I both know people who have the title of manager that don't lead. Or even people in high positions that don't bring positive change. But for us to do that, we really usually draw from some experiences we've had. People who have helped shape our lives. So just for a moment, sitting right where you are, just close your eyes and think about who has influenced you? Who has really helped shape you into the leader that you are today? No matter how, looking back over your whole life, take just a moment and get somebody in mind that's had a huge influence on who you are as a leader today. Does everybody have somebody in mind? Now, I would bet most of you, I, quickly, there's a number of people that quickly hit my list, right? There's more than one person. But by a show of hands, for how many of you did your mom and or dad make the list? Isn't that interesting? That's what the research says too. That in most cases, mom and dad top the list. They're on that top five list, right? I think about my own life. First of all, my mom never went to college. My mom never took a business course. My mom never went to a leadership seminar, but make no mistake about it, she was a leader. You did not have to wait 12 months before you got a performance appraisal. <laughs> you knew right where you stood. And my dad, we didn't learn this till I was an adult. My dad founded a business, ran it successfully for probably 40 years with a partner, and couldn't read a word. I think I was 30-some years old before we learned that. He could write his name, and that was it, until my mom taught him 
how to read. You talk about iron sharpening iron. Oh my gosh. So for me, my mom and dad were powerful examples of leadership. And it shaped my life immensely. So I don't know who you just thought of right there. But I'd offer just a suggestion. There's probably a note you could write. Not a text, not an email. Just do the homework it takes to find their address. Write them a note. And if it's nothing more than, I thought of you the other day when I thought about somebody who really shaped my life, and I've, I, I just wanted to say thank you for that. I learned this from you, I learned that from you, and send it. It can be as short and sweet. You'll make somebody's day. And by the way, you'll be blessed by the very act of writing it. Just give that some thought. And if they're dead, write their son or their wife or their daughter, whatever it is. Now, Greg and Stephanie and Brent, Brett and Ellen were talking about a challenge. I'm going to give you a challenge right now. Monsignor Borger, when is your ordination? June 8, 1991. When's your ordination anniversary? Uh, September 11th. 2000. September 11th. Wow. How many of you know your wedding anniversaries? If you're sitting next to your, if you're sitting next to your wife, okay. How many know your wedding anniversaries? Very good. Monsignor just was talking, concluding the gospel reading with that powerful discourse uh, on the bread of life from John. What does the Catechism of the Catholic Church say about the Eucharist? It is called, we say that the Eucharist is the source and the summit of, the, of, our, Catholic, of our Christian faith, actually, by word. So I would offer this challenge. Do you know your first Holy Communion anniversary? Does anybody? Oh, excellent. Your first name? I can't. Oh, when is it? Give her a round of applause. What year? Beautiful. Anybody else know theirs? Shannon, my daughter. I know her teacher. Yeah. Her wife, my wife next to her. When's yours? 19. Yeah. Okay, that's the homework. Well, here's why I say that. I think there was one day and about... 40 years that I missed receiving the sacrament of the Eucharist on my anniversary. I put that on my If that is the source and the summit of the Catholic faith, I ought to know that. Okay? And so I, I've got that on my calendar. But that's a good little thing as we try to live our faith in a very practical way. The diocese would know your, if you don't know it, you can get it through the diocese, right? I don't know who they would call, but or your, the parish where you were received it would have it, correct. So that, that's just another little challenge here. I think that would be an important little thing to do. So in the short time that I'm with you this afternoon, I want to talk about what I think are the four pivotal virtues of leadership. We got the theological virtues. We got the, uh, the cardinal virtues, right? But I'm going to offer four virtues that are in a practical way can be extrapolated and played out in business, in school, in life. Faith, 
integrity, responsibility, and enthusiasm. Thus, the acronym FIRE. I'm a simple guy. I couldn't remember that, so I got to get a word that I can remember. FIRE. Faith, integrity, responsibility, and enthusiasm. So, foundationally, our leadership, our parenting, our work, our life should be built on our Catholic faith. Our Catholic faith, it's what we believe. Our faith is what we believe. We, we, to some extent, we even have to believe in ourselves. We have to believe in our business. We have to believe in our product. We have to believe in our parish, our service, whatever it is that we do. Rich and Connie have to believe in their, 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 um, their, their Buicks and their, their line of cars, or they couldn't sell them. You've got to do the same. We've got to believe in ourselves. Do you remember the Baltimore Catechism? But judging the age of you, some of you were underneath that. But what was one of the first questions in the Baltimore Catechism? In fact, I'll ask you. Who made you? Who is God? My sweet wife. God is a? Who made all things. So I did a little homework, and I found out that there were actually a number of different iterations of the Catechism. The early times. So sometimes you might think, geez, I bet my, my, those weren't the exact words, but the ones that we grew up with, St. Joseph Mommy, that was it. You and I, my wife and I went to great school together, my gosh. Yeah. So God is the supreme being who made all things, and that's why I was made. That is our Catholic faith, and I think often I draw. Uh, when I talk about it, my parents, but also some of the teachers that helped shape my life, and those beautiful Notre Dame sisters that I got my earliest of education from. So, if you were, grew up in a Catholic grade school, how many went to a Catholic grade school? So you had sisters, right? Okay, most of you, if you're younger, maybe you didn't, but back, do you remember how you were prepared to make your first Holy Communion? Right now, everybody, put your hands the way Sister Mary Caritas, or whoever you had, taught you how to fold your hands. Let me see. Come on. I want to see it. I want to see it. Very good. Now, now think about this for a moment. Scott Hahn, in his very good book called The Signs of Life, said, when you do this, this symbolizes a flame, the Holy Spirit pointing to heaven. That's where that tradition comes from. Isn't that beautiful? He also said it evolved at times into this. So do this for a moment. That also, according to Scott Hahn, is deeply rooted in the history of our faith. When a knight stood before his king, the most vulnerable position he could strike that he could take was to take his hands away from his weapons, clasp them in vulnerability and deference to his king. So whether you go up to communion like this or whether you go like this, when you stand before the priest or the deacon or the extraordinary minister of First Holy, Commun Holy Communion and they say the body of Christ and you say amen, just think about the position of your hands. Whatever you do, whether you do this or whether you do this, just do not do this. You know what we call that in the speaking world? The fig leaf. It's what Adam and Eve did. You don't want to do that. <laughs> but 
I love the symbolism and the richness in our Catholic faith. Think about that. So our faith is what we believe. We have a beautiful creed. You ever try to say the Apostles' Creed and then the Nicene Creed back-to-back without any prompts? It's a little tricky. It's a little tricky. But just going through that word for word sometime, if you're ever in adoration or you get to church early, stay late, whatever, just do that. And the focus on each one of those words can be especially enlightening. You won't pray those prayers the same way again. So first, I'll just stress the faith. That's the first part of our leadership. We've got to believe in, first and foremost, our Lord. Also, in to a degree, yourself, and in the people that you're with. The I stands for integrity. It's a wonderful word. Comes from the, the Latin, integritus, which means one, whole, uncorrupt. That what you say and what you do are the same. It's a beautiful word. If a dam holds back water, it has integrity. If a building stands, it has integrity. If a man or woman, a leader, does what they say they're going to do, they have integrity. I love C.S. Lewis's quote on integrity. He said, it's what you do when no one is. But here's the kicker. When your mom or dad or the leader they're always watching. They're always watching. People take note of you. Your kids take note of you. You're, in your company, they take note of you. And you don't even think they are because you're the leader and they're watching our integrity. And look it. Every one of us has our blind spots, right? If you've been in business, if you've been in a management role, you may have had what's called a 360. Anybody know what that is? Okay. 360 comes from 360 degrees, a full circle. You'll get a full circle picture of you. They get feedback from your boss, from your peers, your direct reports, maybe. So it's a full circle picture. In fact, I now use it as a verb. 360, which is another word for being body slammed by about a bunch of people to give you some feedback. It can be painful, but the, we do that because we all have blind spots. And if you don't think you have any blind spots, if you think you are 100% on your integrity, I'll take up your cause for canonization right now. How do you get the truth about that? If you want to be a better leader, you always want to be getting better. Well, the most underused resource I think married couples have is their spouse. You'll get the truth from your spouse. So here's a little exercise I do in my workshops or even talks. I've had large groups doing this, several hundred people, and I'll tell everybody, pull out your phone. I, I can't do it here. There's not enough time. And by the way, many of you with your spouses. Everybody pull out your phone. Right now, I'm going to ask you to text your spouse, knowing that some people don't have spouses or someone close to you. In that relationship, and I all, no introduction, I just want you to ask him this. What can I do to be an even better husband? 
be a better wife, be a better brother, be a better sister, be a better priest, be a better friend. It's all you need to do. Right? Go ahead. Everybody do it. And all of a sudden, everybody's doing this like, man, this is kind of crazy. And I said, and if you care to share anything, please raise your hand. And in, you know, seconds, ding, 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 these things are going off. And the laughter begins to emerge. And a guy raises his hand. He says, I just got this from my wife. Are you drunk? What bar are you at? What kind of question is that? Which makes the point. Most of us don't ask that question. What can I do to be a better husband, wife, friend, brother, sister? But that's exactly the question that we are asking or should be our blessed Lord all the time. What can I do to be a better follower of Jesus Christ? Now, he may not talk to you as bluntly as a spouse would, but if you put in the prayer time, that'll come to you. In fact, Rich and I and a few other guys were on a retreat recently with um, Father Nathan Cromley. And he said something. One of the guys said, Father, how long do you have to pray? Because I think Father had said something about his routine as a priest. And Monsignor, if he told us how many hours a day he prayed, we'd be humbled, right? But Father Nathan told him, he said, you know what? I can't tell you that. That's a personal question. But I do know this, that real depth in spiritual growth will not come without time. So whether you are praying for 10 minutes, consider 15. If you're considering, if you're praying, whatever it is, think about ramping it up because we can't just get quality time with the Lord all the time, right? You just have to invest in prayer. That strengthens us as leaders. It strengthens our integrity, that integrated, we're whole, uncorrupt, one. I don't want to balance my life. I want it to be integrated. I want it to be the man at work, that I am at home, that I am at church, that they're not separate. Different roles, different behavior sometimes, but at my core, I want to be whole in what I believe in my values. So my faith, my integrity, and responsibility. A responsibility to serve. Anything you read about leadership, anything you read about following our Lord speaks to the word of service. Leaders serve, period. That's it. We serve. Monsignor serves. Deacon Ed serves. Hal Reed serves. Rich Cronin serves. We serve customers. We serve people. But ultimately, we've got to serve our God. The motto of police departments, I don't know if it was just the Toledo police, but it was to protect and serve. Right, Terry? Okay. It's about service. I think about Matthew, uh, what is it, Matthew 25, the, the parable about the, the good servant. How do you know when you and I have really made it? It's when we hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Maximilian Colby said, the climax of the Mass is not the consecration it's communion when our blessed Lord comes.
comes to us, body, blood, soul, and divinity, the ultimate act of service. That's, that's just humbling when you think about it. Today, in the business world, the concept, the term servant leadership is prevalent. 1970, a guy named Robert Greenleaf, um, um, a, a, a Mennonite, wrote the book Servant Leadership. Corporate America has gone, they've fallen in love with that. But don't talk about Jesus. Only spiritual, right? That's, that's the new euphemism, right? So when I hear that, and that's a beautiful word, right? I mean, of the spirit, pertaining to the spirit. But it's almost come to cloak. Religious is a bad word. Religion is bad. But spiritual, oh, um, that's good. But who is the, the consummate servant leader? Jesus Christ. Nobody else came, lived, died, and rose like our blessed Lord did. That's our responsibility. I want to follow him. In fact, it's a bit counterintuitive, but to be the best leader, we got to follow. We don't even talk about that as a, as a noun, followership. But no matter where we are in life, ultimately our aim is to follow Jesus Christ. To follow. Best of leaders, follow. So our faith, our integrity, our responsibility to serve. One of the ways that we serve others, we have to be good listeners. We have to ask questions. You know, in business, part of being a good business person, a salesperson, or even a leader, is you got to be able to ask good questions. And then, not just ask a question so you get to respond, ask a question to learn. And then listen. It is St. Francis of Assisi's seek first to understand. Long before Covey said that, that was St. Francis of Assisi. Well, here's a little anecdote. I'll never forget this. We were headed to Mass at, at the time we were going to St. Patrick, Providence. And seven kids, Danny, our son Danny, who's number uh, six. <laughs> yeah. Dan, Danny was about five at the time. And usually I had to have him sitting next to me just so I could keep him in line. And he was a chatterbox, always talking. And uh, so was, right before we stepped into Mass, I said, Dan, no talking to Mass. That's it. No talking unless you got a question about the Mass. He said, got it, Dad. I said, shh. Just so we get in there, and he's about four or five kids down, you know, and all of a sudden he leans down the beer and goes, Dad. I kind of ignored him. He got a little loud. He said, Dad. I said, shh. He said, it's about the Mass. I said, what is it? He said, I got a question. When's it over? <laughs> That's true. So sometimes for kids, they do ask the darndest questions, right? But that's one of the ways that we serve. We ask good questions so we can find out. And some of the most powerful questions are in the Bible. I love Father's mention of that today. First of all, the Lord turned and said, what about you? Are you going to go? 
And Peter says, Lord, to whom would we go? I don't think that's a rhetorical question. It begs for an answer. We have to answer that each and every day. It's just like if you are married, when you get those profoundly powerful questions on the altar in the sanctuary and the priest is reading them in your wedding vows and you say yes, or our baptismal vows, and we answer yes, I believe, I will, I do. Those demand iterations every day of our life. That's why we're here tonight, so that we can live, we can be around other people that help hold us accountable. Iron sharpens iron. And lastly, enthusiasm. The E stands for enthusiasm. It's another beautiful word. It comes from two Greek words. N, which means within, and theos in Greek meant God. The early Christians did not even have a word for what they saw happening as people converted to the Christian faith. They said it's as if they have God within them. What a beautiful thing to be told you are enthusiastic. Everybody has their own way of expressing it, yes. But do you know anybody that can walk into a room and brighten it up? Do you know anybody can walk out of a room and brighten it up? <laughs> you don't want to be that person. But we should model the enthusiasm we expect from our kids, especially at work. How could you underestimate the important of, importance of being enthusiastic about your business? People buy from you if you're enthusiastic. How enthusiastic are we for our Catholic faith? Again, we all have different ways of expressing it. Stephanie Schleter, is her warmth not palpable from five feet away? That's her gift. But you and I have our own. We've got to find that. We have to make sure that when someone says, what? What do Catholics believe? They could figuratively say, just watch that man. Just watch that woman. The way they live, that's it right there. That's what I want to be. That's why I say we're all still working on our integrity, trying to get better all the time by the people that we associate with, by, by the, what we read, by where we go to church. And I love our Catholic faith. I am so blessed to have been a cradle Catholic. I just don't ever want to take that for granted. Now, I came from a big family. I'm one of nine. I have seven kids. My wife's one of, one of 14. And you remember, no matter the size of your family, you sat there at the dinner table back in St. Henry. Father, and you come home from school, and um, Alan and uh, I think Brett were kind of referring to it today. Mom or dad looks out across the table and says to all you kids, they go, What'd you learn at school today? Now, hold it. On the count of three, you tell me what every kid in this country says when their mom or dad asks them, what'd you learn at school today? One, two, three. Really motivates you to send them back, doesn't it? See, now, my kids were homeschooled, so I always listened really closely to what they said. But one of the things we know about leadership is Unless you're leading by example, you're not leading. You've got to lead by example. So you come home from mass, and you're driving home with your kids, and 
They said, Dad, what'd you get out of that homily? What'd you hear fathers say that struck you? And you said, nothing. We wouldn't be leading. We got a responsibility to do that. So just think about that. What can you learn from the people in this room? What can you learn from your church? It's got to get really specific sometimes. That's why you read. But when you go into mass, you say, what do I want? When, when Father starts into the homily, not that the homily is the most important part of the mass, because the whole mass is important, but sometimes we can really get something that just speaks to us, or maybe something in the Eucharistic prayer, a word, a phrase jumps out. That's something we could... Be, Share on the way home with one of our kids or our spouse and just reflect on that. Consider that could be a nudge from the Holy Spirit, a prompting to draw you in just a little bit closer. So, I'm like you, I mean that. I'm just, I'm working on being a practicing Catholic. I want to get it right. There's a whole field in psychology called deliberate practice. If any of you have read that, comparison or that illustration about how many hands Michelangelo drew to get it right. I forget. It was like, that's an example of deliberate practice. You got to do something over and over and over again. In fact, when you got to have a serious surgery done, I had open heart at the Cleveland Clinic. I wanted the guy, this was not his first one. <laughs> I wanted somebody who done hundreds of them, right? Because you get really good at it. You and I should get really good at praying. We should get really good at it. Even if it oscillates, we should get good at our faith all the time because we should be practicing it. And if we're not, that's pretty good evidence that we're not practicing it well enough. Who you marry, who you hang out with, where you go to church, all those things come together to help you be a better leader so that we can lead, lead in an integrated way with our faith, we can do it with integrity. We serve with our responsibility. And it shows. We can express our enthusiasm for what it is. I am grateful for the chance to be with you. I look forward to seeing you all back in your own churches or workplaces, wherever we cross paths. But for the short time we're here, I leave you a better man for it. And consider buying a car from Cronin's. Consider, <laughs> consider the Elmore's for your chiropractic needs. And we have a wonderful parish in St. Joan of Arc with our pastor and with Deacon Ed. And most of all, I, I, will, I will just bring together, I think, the message from Steph and Greg. Live it. Live your Christian faith. Don't get discouraged. Just keep working at getting better, praying for it, living it. Thank you so much, and God bless. Okay, really? Isn't he awesome? We just love you. You're so good. Because he does all of those things, the F-I-R-E. He just goes right there. Um, so we're going to take a brief time for any questions that you might have for the great Mike McCartney or the greater Molly McCartney. We'll pull Molly in there, too. For those of you who didn't hear, he's asking about the rodeo so, thing. Um, 
I grew up on a small farm and my family had a, a, a small thoroughbred operation. So I always grew up, thoroughbred operation, race horses. I always grew up raking and training horses. But there was just so, the Marlboro Man, the, 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 the image just pulled me, right? So um, I, I went to the amateur circuit when I was younger and rode in college. And then um, shortly afterward, I went on the pro circuit. I'm married now. We had no children at the time, not by design. So I promised my wife I would quit when we had kids. We went six years before I had any children. Then it was a little slow on tethering, right? Uh, uh, but I'll tell you one good Catholic story about uh, on the rodeo circuit. On the rodeo circuit, if you can picture um, just th the nature of that sport, there's not a lot of Catholics. It's a very itinerant lifestyle. People are on the move all the time, so there's a lot of, and it's in the South predominantly, and in the West, in the Midwest, in the Bible Belt, so some deeply wonderful Christian evangelicals, but not a lot of Catholics. So I'm at this rodeo one time. I was out in, uh, I forget where it was, some place in Kansas or Wyoming, and I knew, I'd gotten the heads up that this guy named Preacher Paul found out I was a Catholic. And I knew him, he was a good man, but I mean, he, I mean, he thought I worshiped the devil, right? So they said, be prepared, because he's going he's gonna to come on to you. So he came up to me, sure enough, and I was ready. He said, cowboy said, have you accepted Christ in your life as your personal Lord and Savior? I said, absolutely. You got to talk like they do. I said, absolutely. And rather incredulously, he looked at me and said, have you really accepted him? I said, accepted him? I have consumed him. Body, blood, soul, and divinity. April 18, 1964, Toledo, Ohio, St. Clement Church, and I was on my knees. My first Holy Communion. Because when they ask you if you've been saved, most of our Protestant brothers and sisters, the evangelicals, are looking for a date and time. But because I knew my first Holy Communion, I could anchor it. But I, I tell that in a little bit of jest, but that's true. Okay, my life was changed at the time. I didn't understand it fully, but I am so grateful for that. So that's probably my best rodeo story. But one arm's a little longer than the other one. But that's why I'm going to see a chiropractor. Yeah, thank you. So I just have to say, too, that our new son-in-law had the privilege of uh, talking to Mike, and he called us right afterwards, and he th does have a man crush on you, Mike. I just have to tell you that. But um, what words of wisdom would you have for somebody who's like, this is all great, but where do I start? For um, Just, I'm sorry, just like with this, um, just diving into living it to uh, as a as a husband as a father like you gave great stories and words of encouragement but someone who's like okay i grew up in an awful home or you know this all sounds great but what would be that first step to encounter christ in a deeper way yeah well thank you stephanie um th this isn't to patronize you and greg but truly just your kind of, your ministry would be an excellent place. It's concrete, it's specific, it, it, it's, it, it's, it's, you can get traction with it. People need some structure, right? And that's what I love about our Catholic Church. Uh, I got to tell you, for everything that some people would say they don't like about rote prayers, when my mind starts wandering, 
I just love to go to my Hail Marys, my rosary. It just gets me back on track, and then maybe I can have another expanded thought. But I think for someone who said, I just want to live it, it's like, okay, they got the desire, but they just don't know how. Your ministry helps give a bit of a roadmap, some tactical steps. And then it's, it's, it's the fellowship piece. It's you gather with people. And I can tell you, there are men and women in this room, I just want to be more like. And I'm not, I'm not saying that insincerely because every one of you could say, oh, yeah. And you just want to be around these kind of people because they call you to higher ground. You and Greg do that, and you're doing it with a ministry, right? So in, beyond our own reading and beyond our own uh, church that we're plugged into, but we need, we need something to supplement that so that when we walk into church, it's not like the first time we've encountered the Lord all week, and when we walk out of there, we're walking back into a lifestyle that just gets us, that keeps us on track, living it. That was not a planted question, by the way, honestly. But I love myfamily.us. Check it out. No, thank you, Mike. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for the question, Greg. That, that is the great kind of question that every one of us in here uh, could learn from each other on that, right? No matter how long you've been parenting. But I will give you an answer that we asked that, that, that our kids gave us. Molly, you remember this, a number of years ago. And we're all sitting around the table there, and we just basically asked, you know, what could we have, you know, what, what, what do we do well? What could we have done better? And um, they said, well, a couple of them said, well, I'll tell you what. You know, some said you were too strict. They eh. said, well, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Go to your what, what, yeah, one of them said, well, there were a whole lot of times that you told us what the consequence would be, and you didn't back it up. And we knew it. Whoa. Meanwhile, the younger ones are kicking that one and saying, don't you say that to my <laughs> That's true, right? So, I, but as parents, sometimes you forget. But, but I think that's a great question. And every one of us, especially if you're parenting, that's a great one to ask other parents. Yes, we do. Kelly Reed, the one, the only. <laughs> now, I remember when we were going through... Um, the adolescent stage and they don't want to go to mass. And we just laid it on the line and said, you know, that's a non-negotiable. I had a very wise priest tell me once, bring the body and the mind will follow. So I dragged the body there on Sunday mornings and I was sometimes embarrassed to be seen with that child because literally they had just rolled out of bed. But um, mass has always been a non-negotiable. And that's a that's a tough thing, you know, when kids don't want to go. But we have we have just followed through, even when they went to college. You know, I don't know what you're doing at school, but when you come home, if you want to eat, you're going to mass. So, <laughs> I'd like to introduce our little family story segment. Some dear friends. She's shaking her head. <laughs> She's so excited to be doing this. Um, no, I'd. To warmly welcome Brett and Ellen Hunterbrinker. Um, Brett is the Senior Director of Discipleship and Family Life for the Diocese of Toledo. Ellen is a beautiful wife and mother and RN. Most importantly, they are parents to five beautiful, very fun, 
exuberant, wonderful children. Um, they've been very active with the mass impact movement. They're from St. Joan of Arc, which we're delighted in. We, they had a bid in a house in Sylvania, and uh, we prayed them to move and that that fell through, and now they just live a mile from us, so we're, we're grateful for that. But Brett and Ellen are just dear friends, and uh, more importantly, just very dear brother and sister in Christ, my little brother and little sister. So I take license with that with Brett quite often, and I use the sisterly privilege of getting in his face a lot about different things. So anyway, let's welcome Brett and Ellen. So um, Stephanie said we have five kids, and just for context, um, our oldest is nine, or almost, well, she's almost nine, and then six and a half, because he'd be mad if I didn't say the half, and then four, and then two-year-old twins. So our house is quite crazy and busy and loud. So um, just a little bit of background on both Brett and I. Um, we're both cradle Catholics. We were raised in faithful households, um, but... For me, intentional conversation wasn't something that I experienced. Um, I knew my parents loved me. I knew my parents supported me, but it wasn't so much through their words. Um, so that was kind of something hard for me to get used to and um, to do. Brett also, though, parents supportive. His parents were a little bit more affirming for him in their words and um so that's something he's a little bit more familiar with. So we met um, at St. Thomas More at BG when I was a student down there. Um, so that was really like my first experience with people talking about Jesus publicly and um, just sharing about their faith and their life and challenging others to grow deeper. Um, so that was a, like a really great formation start for both of us. Um, and it really just helped us to kind of understand what it means to live the Catholic faith um, and what it means to share that with others. So for us, uh, we're married 10 years this April, this past April, and we started our marriage down in Kentucky, uh, which is a really beautiful place to start your marriage. And um, we were going to Mass on Sundays. We were praying occasionally together, but it wasn't anything that we were doing on a regular basis or even a nightly basis. Um, you know, we were good Catholics, right? Or so we thought. Um, and, and we moved on and... and as we knew we were getting, we, we were pregnant, found out we were pregnant, had a job offer back up here in Toledo, and so the past nine years have been back in, in the Diocese of Toledo area here. We knew that when we had kids, you know, baptism, sacraments, we wanted to get deeper in our faith, and so about, I don't know, seven, eight years ago, we met this amazing couple of Greg and Stephanie, and um, thought that Greg might have been a little radical uh, at, at times, uh, at times, um, most of the time, and... Uh, but because of our formation at St. Thomas More and knowing who Ellen is and where she came from and knowing what I wanted and knowing what we both wanted, because we had long conversations about what we want in our marriages and what we don't want in our marriages, in our marriage. And it was just, it was something that clicked. And so we started going to some mass impact events. Uh, and uh, family gatherings where our kids just loved on every other families that were there. And we really made great friendships there. And we really were challenged. And that was a big thing is we were challenged in our own faith. That was huge. And I had never really been challenged before to that extent. And it really opened up both of our, our eyes, our minds, our thoughts. And so as we were going through things and, and as we started to have more kids and really start to develop our, our family more and more, um, we, would know we, we knew we wanted to do something more. And so we found out about this Live It Guide uh, and we thought we'd try it. 
and we tried it during the week. It really didn't work. We tried it while the kid after dinner, and it was crazy. So we finally found out on Saturday mornings when the kids are having breakfast. You know, usually a good big breakfast with pancakes. They're sitting down and eating. So this is the perfect time to get them right. And so we started to do it on Saturday mornings, which was great because it was less than 24 hours before mass the next day. So they didn't forget the scriptures completely. And so it was really neat to see our kids grow in that. We're not perfect at it. We don't do it every single week. Uh, but when we do do it, our kids know what to expect. They started to, our daughter Gianna started asking if she could lead it. She would only lead it so far, but she would want to actually lead it. And that was awesome to do that. Using the Live It Guide in our family, being engaged in mass impact programming has given us intentionality in our family life, which has been really big. Um, you know, we can talk about Jesus with our kids and it's not uncomfortable for us anymore. And they know that. And they live that. And so it's really neat to see them just at such a young age develop this understanding of who Jesus is, what our Catholic faith is all about. Um, so just Brett kind of hinted at it. You know, when we go through these, the live it guy with our kids. So when we're going through the um, upcoming mass readings, we'll break it down for them. We'll choose words or phrase or just make the story really simple for them to reflect on. So it's really just really neat and really just warms my heart when we're at mass the next morning. And like they'll give us like a... Mom, did you hear that? Because that's what we—that's what we talked about at home the previous morning. So it's just really neat to know that they're starting to pick up on these things and um, just really enjoying it. I think. You've been listening to a very special presentation of Ignite Radio Live. You can hear our past presentations at igniteradiolive.com. Please join us for our Belief and Beverages Nights, the third Thursdays of every month. Check it out at massimpact.us forward slash BNB. Until next time, God bless you.